Bibliotherapist, psychotherapist Jermaine Lease, and food writer Sophie Hansen, two women who firmly believe that we shouldn't go too long or too far without something to eat and something to read. Today's episode is brought to you by Kitchen to Table, a kitchen and cooking specialist store based in Yamba, New South Wales, but also very much online. And now we're moving into more normal times, hosting cooking classes and culinary tours all over the place. And we're going to hear more from Meredith of Kitchen to Table a little bit later in the episode. But now we're getting ready for Christmas. Um, And what better way to do that than through a book about all things Christmas, including food. And then we're going to read our letter, which is about um, wanting to show love and care through food and bringing people together. Uh, together, but how to do this with many different allergies and intolerances. So it's, um, yeah, it's a curly one. It's a really curly one and I can't wait to hear how you (laughs) solve this one. But first our book. Uh, Okay, I chose this book again and while Sophie and I usually take it in turns, I've hogged it twice now, I know, (laughs) but I couldn't resist sharing this book with you, Sophie, because it's everything I hope our podcast is. And funnily enough, I just read a comment on Instagram from someone the other day saying how much they're enjoying this podcast because of the fascinating conversations about food, love and life. And I thought, wow, that's exactly what Christmas days is for me. Um, I think it was 2016 when I first bumped into it and it was bibliotherapeutic timing because I was feeling quite flat and it was probably about this time of year and overwhelmed with Christmas. And I don't know if you felt this in adulthood or as your kids get older, this Christmas stops being fun and magical um, Mm. and more about making sure it's going to be great for them or dealing with extended family or working out who's hosting and who's bringing what food Mm. and stuff. And I I just that year found myself just wishing for January and wishing away and I thought, oh, that's actually not very festive. And I was in a bookshop Christmas shopping and saw it and it just – I felt really compelled to pick it up and I don't know why because I usually wouldn't be attracted to a a themed book – And I loved Jeanette Winterson's um, Why Be Happy When You Could Be Normal, her Mm. memoir about how books saved her and from her very difficult childhood, Um, but never read her fiction. And anyway, I just couldn't put it down. So I thought, I'll I'll take it. And I went home, made a cup of tea and started reading. And uh, within that first story or or her introduction about all the history of Christmas, Mm. I just got quite lost in it and started feeling that return of that Christmas spirit or that magic of Christmas coming. And um, so for everyone listening, it's 12 short stories and 12 recipes for the 12 days after Christmas. And Jeanette loves Christmas and she explains why Christmas is such a big thing for her in the book. But um, it's it's also a variety of short stories being there's romantic ones, magical ones, quite dark, scary ones. And the magical ones is I think is what they had that fairy tale quality that was sort of that fairy tales for adults, I felt. Mm. Um, and that made me feel like a child again, relishing that magic of Christmas. And her Jeanette also puts in a few memoirs type stories about herself and that idea of Christmas rituals really struck me. And I decided that day, and I've done it every year since that each afternoon I'd sit down with a cup of tea 
a shortbread biscuit and read a chapter. Mm. Um, so that was the shape it left on me back then. But what about you, Sophie, as a first go? Um, <clears throat> well, I'm incredibly grateful to you for introducing this book to me because I had heard of Jeanette Winterson, of course, before, but I had not read any of her books, actually. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I finished this one, I started Why Be Happy When You Can Be mm-hmm. Normal, which um, I'm really, really enjoying. I'm actually listening to her read it, which... Oh, that um, be great, actually. Yeah, it is. It's great. Um, but I feel like this is going to be my new Christmas tradition as well, to, to pick this book up. And I think particularly... Um, mid-November where Mm. the anticipation of Christmas is still very fresh and you haven't kind of bumped into um, any stresses of end of term and time and because I agree like I think Christmas every year rolls around and we have Mm. such high expectations of what we want it to be for our children and ourselves and our family and it's hard to meet those isn't it you know like have I got enough presents mm. um am I bringing the right food you know have we have we put enough joy into this period etc <laughs> yes. but what I think this book makes so beautifully clear is we need to sort of every year Christmas rolls around again and it's another chance to reset and pause and take mm. take the joy out of it mm. and I love you know in the beginning she talks about you know sometimes just all you need to do to get the spirit is put a bit of Christmas cake in your pocket and mm. go for a walk and play some carols in your headphones or whatever and and sit and just look around the world and have a little think. And I really love that. And I think it's a really heartening book. Uh, some of the stories, as we'll talk about, were really scary, <laughs> the ghost stories. I was not expecting ghost stories. But I feel like, um, yeah, I think that this idea of, of – She's very anti the commercialism of Christmas, mm. and and actually, I, can I read this? I yes. just adore the the introduction. Christmas tide is my favorite part of the book, yeah. actually. Um, and she talks about gifts and how um, you know the best loved of all Christmas carols. The poet Christina Rossetti poses the question: What can we give that is not about money, power, or success or talent? What can I give him, poor as I am? If I was a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I give him, give my heart? Mm. And she says, we give ourselves, we give ourselves to others. We give ourselves to ourselves, we give. And she says, whatever we make of Christmas, it should be ours, not something we buy off the shelf. For me, feasting with friends is a lovely part of Christmas tide. So I've included some recipes here that with personal stories attached, etc. And she talks about... Oh, I can't find it now. Christmas. Um, oh, yeah. Cooking at home is not an Olympic sport. Cooking <laughs> is an everyday, ordinary miracle. And I think even if you feel at Christmas, you know, you haven't done enough or you haven't kind of met all the mm. expectations, just make some minced tarts or, you know, put some new pyjamas under the kids' pillows and wake yeah. up to a calm house. You know, it's really those little things and this book yeah. Has done that for me. It's really reminded me of that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's the getting away from the commercialization, mm. isn't it? And just actually, you can have Christmas cheer um, with very little, with a glass of pink champagne as you yes. listen to the radio. I, I had, I like that one too. I, yes. I. It's interesting. Um, each year, it's left a different shape on me. All what I've really enjoyed or got from it. Um, and this year, it was actually the childlike magic again. And I don't know if that comes from. <laughs> coming out of this dark um, yeah. lockdown year or, um, or or what. But it was those stories that stayed with me this time were Snow Mama and Christmas in New York and they were those romantic mm. stories. Was Christmas in New York the one about Marty and David? 
he's the two work colleagues. Oh, yes. Lorraine. Is it oh, Lorraine? Yeah, Lucille. Lucille. Mm. Yeah, an L word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, he's got no Christmas yes. spirit. Oh, and yes. she's sort of almost magical. And they go tobogganing. Yes. And, yeah. And it reminded me of, you know, the Richard Curtis films. Like, yeah, it does. It sort of gave me that feeling I get when I watch Love Actually or... And then it reminded me of um, the Christmas magic I had when the kids were younger and I even found my copy of it. Richard Curtis actually wrote a children's Christmas book called The Empty Stocking Um, and the illustrations are by Rebecca Cobb. And uh, my youngest, who's now 13, and I still read this every year, which I think I got it when he was about three, and it's about these twin girls, one who's naughty and one who's nice, and one gets an empty stocking. But but there's a lot more to it than that. But it's done in that delightful Richard Curtis style. Um, and I just looked up to make sure you could still get it, but it, it's not steamingly in print anymore. Oh, what a shame. But on YouTube, um, Dawn French reads it. Oh, so put, delightful. We'll put that in the show notes. In. Yeah, because that's I was thinking you know, a lot of our listeners have are still in the magic of Christmas with mm. very small children and that has always been a very magical book for me and um dawn french reading it is obviously quite a magical voice as well so yeah. different kind of audio i love all these ideas of rituals and mm. you know how her ritual is um listening is it the carol service mm. that she listens to and she has her pink champagne and on christmas eve on christmas yeah. eve and you know for me <clears throat> christmas was always a really happy time as a child um and as an adult still even though mm. you know it's it's where there's a lot to you know prepare prepare etc um but what I hope you know if, if you're listening and you're thinking about getting this book definitely seek it out or actually I've just discovered and this is not an ad but through my audible membership all her books are included as sort of extras and it's listening convenient timing it was <laughs> and listening to her read it um and there's an actress who reads the stories mm. was an absolute delight and in fact in the car the other day I got the kids we listened to the one of the ghost stories and then the silver frog um oh, story yes. and they loved it so um which ghost story uh this this the ski one up in oh, um, that Everest climber yes yeah um but what I wanted to ask you as well because I I feel like for me at least one of my Christmas rituals is making mince um mince pies and I I always do it sort of right on the first and I oh. I try and do it the day that we're going to put the tree up which is again the first of December although I'm going early this year because I think we need it yeah um and and listening to Christmas carols and my favourite is Hark the Herald Angels Sing and eating, you know, a hot yep. mince pie that mm. kind of burns you top of your mouth But um, and my husband and I have a little bit of whiskey. I wanted to ask what's, do you have a, a tradition like that? I guess reading that book is one for you. Yes, and making Christmas biscuits, Christmas um, biscuits. gingerbread. Um, all the kids used to really enjoy doing gingerbread houses, which we sometimes do for fun, but, but certainly the Christmas baking uh, is something I've done with the kids well now really with Louis will still bake with me mm-hmm. um and and the mince pies I've gone through phases actually of um sometimes doing mince pies or sometimes trying to make jam or yeah but uh not not every year but I love the way she writes about recipes and I, I wanted to ask you how you felt about how she writes about recipes yeah yeah and how much she um how I love the way each recipe is connected to a person or a Christmas memory uh, and 
I particularly like the one on custard, New York custard, Kathy Acker's New York custard recipe and the quote she writes and how Kathy couldn't cook, she couldn't even stir. I just thought <laughs> yeah. it was hilarious. And um, then how they make this tin custard one Christmas night or Eve or whatever, and, and she writes, our grand gestures and our small acts are not so far apart. We remember our friends for the insignificant and silly things we did together and for the greatness that they were to here's the custard. Yeah. And I just thought that was, um, that yeah, that really moved me, as well as the way she writes about, you know, she, I think it's in your Christmas Tide introduction where she's talking about doing a recipe called cabbage and oh, the editor. I was just about to read oh. that out. I'll read it out then. <laughs> it's yeah. so funny. So, she, so guys, she's talking about um, how her editor um, kept asking her for more specific quantities or um, imperial and metric um, measurements, etc. And and she says, and where I say things like cabbage, the query came back, what size cabbage? She <laughs> says, there are so many things to do every day and wondering what size cabbage isn't one of them. <laughs> And her recipe writing, I just think it is delightful. Mm. I mean, um, yeah, you've just got to read them, I think, yourself. And even the stories in they themselves. Are stories they are stories and the, um, the red red cabbage sauerkraut mm. recipe. Is, is um, that Ruth Rendell's? Well, I was or? wondering. Yes, it is. Yes. Is that one? Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, and the the trifle, um, oh, the, the fruit trifle, trifle, I think is hysterical. And I'm just trying to find it because she talks about, there's so much history in there, which talks about how in the 60s in the UK there was actually a political party saying no more fruit in main, <laughs> main courses. courses. <laughs> I love that. And I wrote about this book in my book, um, Reading the Seasons, and that was my favourite line, which I put in there was that, you know, no more fruit in main courses, political party, <laughs> and the eccentricity. Oh, I think she says in the 1970s it was very cheap to start a political party or to yes. register. Yes. And so there must have been so many eccentric. Well, do you know what? Controversially, I, I would actually probably subscribe to that party because I'm just not a massive fan oh, of, in general <laughs> of fruit in, you know, apricot chicken. I think I grew up with mm. apricot chicken that possibly wasn't, uh, I mean, sorry, mum, if you listen. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know. It doesn't, I, I love things like melon wrapped in prosciutto. I love that. Uh-huh. But, but um, even dried fruit in, mm. I don't know, it's, I've never loved it. Oh, that's good because mm. I'm so bad now that Baker's Delight will do um, hot crust buns without peel. I've got a thing with oh. peel. I can't stand peel. Oh, so I love peel. And, oh. in fact, I'm working on a, a sourdough Christmas loaf mm. recipe at the moment with, you'll hate it actually, <laughs> peel and <laughs> spices in it. Um, and I'm going to hopefully share that on Instagram soon. But um yeah for me it's getting my hands into the dough and it's it's the rolling and it's the stirring of the jam um mm. and you know I think um oh, who's the one I've just said a mental one the woman who wrote um morning pages who created the idea of morning pages oh, the, yeah the artist way Julia Cameron Julia Cameron talks about those sorts of repetitive acts as priming yeah. the world mm. and, and, and really, and, you know, in the last episode, Sarah Winman talks mm. about patient sprays, um, pesto, making pesto by yeah. hand with a mortar and pestle being an antidepressant. And I think that if you can block off some time, you know, this month to to do something like this, to make the mixed tarts mm. or chop that, that cabbage to make your sauerkraut and don't ask me what kind of cabbage, um, <laughs> I think it's all about having the time, not feeling rushed, doing yeah. it. And play the music um, and, yeah, I feel like that's a really kind of good surefire way to get the Christmas cheer mm. going. 
it's creating the doorway, isn't it? Like she says, you yes. need to find your doorway mm. into this time for pausing and mm. um yeah, and I think you're right that taking the time to bake or do something, I guess for me, yeah, the Christmas biscuits yep. <laughs> are something that feels like a very different festive, you know, the mm. ginger. Um, yeah, I do mean gingerbread, don't I? Biscuits, mm. yeah. Um, and I, uh, I, you're right, you've got to be quite intentional with that and mm. it's very easy to just be too busy, but it's amazing what a difference it makes to actually. Oh, huge. And it is about having the time because I've tried to do, you know, pastry at Christmas and make mince tarts mm. when I was really up against it and I had 50 million other things and it was hot and little kids and I remember feeling just so stressed and mm. and it was not a pleasant experience and so it's don't even bother if you haven't got the time. Just sit and no. read a chat, make yourself a cup of tea. <laughs> That's right. And read have a shortbread biscuit have that you bought, bought from the supermarket. Absolutely. But if you can find yourself a couple of hours on a Sunday afternoon in December or any afternoon, um, yeah. I think it's such time well spent. That's our, the other thing I was talking about rituals and she even takes this beyond Christmas, doesn't she, into New Year. Yes. And I don't know how you feel about New Year's Eve, but um, I liked how she talked about New Year's resolutions not mm. being, it's not about that, it's more about a reflection time. And um, Yeah, I liked that too. There's that quote, we remember so much of the bad stuff and we are so careless with the good stuff. Remember the year for what it brought. Even if there was precious little, that little is precious. I pulled out that line. Too. Oh, there you go. I love that. It's true, it's especially so true. this year, I think. Mm. Um, I think there is a lot to reflect on this year mm. because um, for a lot of people, you know, lockdown and COVID has really been so challenging. But lots of little precious moments have come out of it, yes. I think, for us. And yeah. Yeah, I'm going to try. I, I'm not a huge one for New Year's Eve, actually. No. Um, I mean, I like it, but I don't need to you know, have a huge party or yeah. um, stay up till midnight necessarily. <laughs> I'm such an old woman these days. <laughs> but I do think that it is a really nice chance to sort of sit back and be, and also just be grateful. Mm. You know, just sort of I like her um, idea of letting opening the back door to let the old year out yes. on the first ring of Big Ben and then um, opening the front door and welcoming her in on the last ring. And meanwhile she's burning her calendars in the fire yes. and I, she writes, it's quite busy, I'm rushing from one door to another. <laughs> um, I love that too. I'm going to do that this year. So, yeah, yeah. you open the back door, let the lo- previous yep. year out and open the front and thank door. thank it, and even thank if you. it brought you things you didn't need or want. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and then you open in the welcome in the new one. Mm. Again, it's it's all around intention, isn't it? That... Yeah, and giving us creating your own set of rituals. Because I what I, another thing I really loved about this book is clearly Jeanette came from a very religious, mm. very evangelical, yes, um, um, Armageddon, yes, type of, yeah, very First Testament. For, yeah. Um, so she she grew up in a family where you know I think they had to walk five miles there and back to church mm. every night, every mm. night, mm. and. Um, so I think it's fascinating that she still so has that sense of wonder around the nativity because there are a few yeah, stories around the nativity, yeah. but but other than that, it is quite a secular secular joy she yes. has for Christmas. Yeah, it's that feasting and yeah. caring and and looking after the people you love and being mm. grateful for that. And I think you know, no matter what your religious beliefs, I think what this book tells me is that there is so much joy to be found in Christmas. And yeah. Yeah. No matter what that's yeah. yes. Cause she talks a lot about um, Jewish ideas as well as the Christian faith, as well as, as you say, because I think her the, wife Susie yeah. is Jewish um, mm. and 
but still kind of loves Christmas too. Yeah, which is something which and the love. feasting. Yeah, and that it gives the same idea, isn't it, of giving thanks through yeah, through sharing food and things. Yeah, yeah. and I I love that story. One of my favorites was the story of Marty and David. I thought that was. Oh, God, I cried in that story. It was such a beautiful love story. You know, Ma- David had died and yes. Marty was, you know, didn't want to go because I think he was Jewish and all his their Jewish friends in New York would go to Chinese on mm, Christmas Day, which mm. is a big thing for them. And, um, and yeah, anyway, I just thought it was a the really, ra- yeah, really, really moving, beautiful romance. romantic yeah. love between those two. Anyway. Well, actually, um, what did you think of, um, because it's funny, when you said the other week, oh, you didn't tell me there was a ghost story in here. I was thinking, oh, is there? And there's then I read them that there's so three. Oh, there are, ways. yes. True, there are. Well, this is why I love this book so much is because, as you say, it gives me a sense of wonder. It took mm. me so far outside my everyday. Mm. Um, but I did read one of the ghost stories quite late, um, right before bed and the house was quiet and mm. it was um, scary. Oh, gosh, because I did the same thing uh, with the one where the girl's waiting for her friends to join her yes, in the big old holiday house. rental big old house. and. I actually slept really badly mm. that night. I was really surprised at how much it got yeah. under my skin. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I guess the thing about this book is that um, now I've read it in its entirety in one go. Yeah. I, I am going to kind of revisit mm. certain stories and I, my son, Tommy, will, he loves scary stories. Mm. So I'm going to read that out loud. And I think yeah. that idea of sitting around reading a story out loud and making this our Christmas book. Yeah. I'm excited oh, about that. good. Mm. Yeah, I like the way the collection, it's an interesting collection, isn't it? Because it it's is. such a disparate collection, but so it's somehow different. Well, I think you just summed it up actually when you said it just creates this wonder of Christmas. And part of that wonder is all the mystery and the unknown mm. and the magic and the. Yeah, no. See, I grew up, we used to go to church Christmas Eve and I was in the choir my, with my siblings and would walk down and put on our red mm. you know, choir dresses with our white collars. And, um, and I, we don't have that. Um, in our family, I mean, mm. we can't walk to church anyway. We're on a farm out of town. But um, I do think that those sorts of rituals and that sense of um, ceremony mm. I yeah. love about Christmas. So, um, anyway, we can have a little bit of that with our readings of this book now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. I'm glad you I'm glad you found a new um, Christmas ritual. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> Not just food. <laughs> yeah, so thank you. So I guess... Um, before we hear from our letter writer, um, let's invite um, Meredith, who's our sponsor for this episode, um, and a wonderful cook and a lover of Christmas as well. So Meredith's going to share some thoughts and a recipe with us. Thanks, Meredith. Hi, I'm Meredith from Kitchen to Table, a kitchen shop and cooking school in Yamba, northern New South Wales. I'm really excited to be sponsoring a third episode of Something to Eat and Something to Read. I've really enjoyed listening to the episodes so far, learning about new books to read, and the newsletter is always packed with fantastic recipes to cook. I really feel at home here. The book I picked up and read recently is Bella Figura, How to Live, Love and Eat the Italian Way, by Kamin Mohammadi. The book is part cookbook, part memoir, part love story and part travelogue as Kamin writes about her experience of leaving a high-flying job in London to move to Florence to fulfil her dream of writing a book. 
Each chapter represents a month in the year and begins by listing the produce of the season, the scent of the city, an Italian moment and her Italian word of the month. In December, the produce of the season is Cavallo Nero, the scent of the city is snow in the hills, an Italian moment is Christmas in the Tuscan countryside and her Italian word for December is amore after finding herself in a loving relationship with Bernardo. The book chronicles her ups and downs throughout the year, her challenges and triumphs. But for me, the strength of the story is about slowing down, living a simpler life, taking time to cook and prepare food from seasonal ingredients, and then taking the time to sit and enjoy each meal without the distraction of television or devices. To treasure and acknowledge friends, family, and the moment. Kamin shares her experiences of how this change in lifestyle reaps benefits for her health. In London, the stresses of her job led her to make less than desirable food choices or to constantly be on a diet. Her skin was showing that her body was not happy and her mind was always racing. Settling into the Italian way of life, eating seasonally and making meals from scratch, taking time to set the table and appreciate the food she was eating, walking everywhere around the city, Taking time to write and to spend time with friends saw her health and well-being improve out of sight. So if I take anything away from this book, it is to slow down, to do less, and to take the time to create joyful moments in my day. This is timely advice as I head into the busiest time of my year in the kitchen shop. We do close the doors for a couple of days at Christmas to stop and relax before opening again. So for us, Christmas is a simple affair. Usually we start the day with almond croissants made with store-bought croissants that I fill with almond frangipan and bake to have for breakfast. We can enjoy any leftovers on Boxing Day too. Mid-morning we'll start preparing the glaze for the ham and get that in the oven so it's ready for lunch. We'll enjoy the ham with a couple of salads such as a warm vegetable salad and or a crunchy slaw. Dessert is something that changes up each year. Some years we've had a festive ice cream cake, other years a meringue marulade filled with cream and mango. This year I plan to make a vanilla panna cotta with cranberry jelly that we'll have with a tumble of summer berries. This dessert can be prepared well ahead of time, is gluten-free and can easily be adapted to be dairy-free as well. I wish everyone a very happy Christmas. I hope that you can spend time with family and friends and enjoy the food and sentiments of the season. Merry Christmas! Thanks, Meredith. So we're up to our letter now. Sophie, do you want to read this one out for us? It's a, um, a, a tricky one, mm. I thought. But I really uh, appreciate the letter writer for sending this in because I feel like mm. it's probably something that a lot of people mm. think about. Okay, so she writes, Good morning, Jermaine and Sophie. I adored your first episode. Thank you for bringing two of my favourite things together so beautifully all in one podcast. Well, it's our pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> my quandary is this. I adore food. I love thinking about it, reading about it, watching it on TV, listening 
about it on podcasts, shopping for it, cooking for it, and of course, eating it. But I also love to share food. For me, sharing a meal is such an act of love. I'm lucky to have some really wonderful friends, but most of them do not share this passion. Within our friendship circle, we also have a wide variety of food intolerances and dietary preferences, which makes getting together over a meal really difficult. We have two vegans, two celiacs, and one who is intolerant to refined sugar. It brings on migraines. I'm 34 and have three beautiful children and a truly lovely life, but I have this soft, fuzzy hole in my heart that longs for company in my passion for food. It feels terribly silly to say it out loud, but I do. Can you recommend a book that may soothe this aching heart and a recipe that might help bring all my friends together? Kindest regards. Mm. Yeah, I was really struck by that feeling of starvation mm. um, in in not being able to share food with those that she cares about most or that those friends she's closest to that obviously her love language is mm, food mm. uh as she says encompasses everything what she listens to eats uh reads and actually it reminded me when she talked about uh cooking shows when we're talking about another thing at christmas i think i find myself doing is watching a lot of nigella specials or Jane, oh, you know yes. all the cooking shows i don't know if you're into that too but as much as when you're talking about the therapy of using the mortar and pestles, sometimes I found the therapy of just watching them create mm. has kind of helped calm me down as well. Anyway, so it's an aside with the more Christmas. No, I, I agree. I, I love that, especially the Nigella Christmas special, mm. twinkling lights and um, yeah. yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah. So anyway, but back to my book idea for this letter writer. Uh, it's, yes, it reminded me again just how connecting the food is from like even thinking about a meal you want to plan for friends or mm. uh, cooking, uh, shopping for the ingredients, cooking it and sharing it together. And so I've gone for a book that's all about food and friendship, but also about how the memory of food and the talking about food can create connections um, to the past. And as it's kind of a holiday time and we're feeling festive, I've, it's it's a lighter read. Um, but it's actually, and, and so it can be enjoyed on the beach or with mm-hmm. a drink or whatever, but it's actually by the famous New York food writer who was editor-in-chief of Gourmet magazine, Ruth Reichel. Mm, have you read her I memoirs? Have, yes. Um, yeah, I think I know what you're about to suggest. It's a gorgeous book. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, well, actually, I'm not suggesting her memoir. Oh, delicious. Uh, yeah. Mm. Yes, yeah. I have read it. Oh, you mm. have read it? Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. Mm. Um, her first fiction book, but I have been meaning ever since reading this to try reading her memoir about food writing and her life. I think I can't remember what it's called. Plums something. But you haven't um, read that one. Oh gosh, I'll do a quick Google. <clears throat> but um, I have not read it, but I know what it is. Got plums in the title. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll come back to you on it. I think it. <laughs> yeah, I think it is actually about her time as the editor in chief of Gourmet magazine. But anyway, that's by the by because I'm prescribing her fiction uh, which is about a 21 year old called Billy who has a passion for food as well and an amazing palate uh, seems to have a gifted palate can pick the most uh, obscure flavors but she won't cook or she can't cook uh, and obviously the book's a bit about why what stopped her from cooking but she gets a job as an editorial assistant at Delicious magazine and she also discovers some hidden letters about a friendship um between during world war ii between a teenage girl and the famous chef james beard which is a really lovely story about how you make the best of russian food or or cooking at that time too so i guess it's more a coming of age novel but it uses food to connect us through the time and it 
also talks about complicated relationships through food and also might help remind our letter writer that we don't necessarily need to share the same food to be connected mm. to one another. And um, a quote I really like is, uh, her most treasured belief is that any problem can be solved with the right recipe. Uh, but as you read it too, what do you think? Um, I Look, I love Ruth's writing and I love, um, yeah, I agree. I think any problem can be solved with the right recipe, but also I feel like, um, we're just going in straight into my thoughts about this letter. I, I totally understand what this writer is saying because sometimes you get so caught up in your love of a particular style mm. of cooking or, you know, if, if, if you love the idea of, you know, roasting um, or glazing a ham for Christmas and your friends mm. can't, you know, enjoy that on a beautiful bread roll, that's you just have to adjust your expectations. And we talked about that a couple of episodes yeah. ago, didn't we, about yeah. that. But I think um, for this person, I really believe that bringing your friends together at a table is, is yes, it's about the food, but it's about so much more. It's about, mm. you know, the candles and putting flowers on there and, you know, playing some music and making, creating a really beautiful, um, I guess, feeling around the table. Um, and I was thinking about um what to suggest for this one. And I think especially because it's summer mm. and we are so lucky with all the incredible produce. So I would just say um, go really hard on simple, really seasonal, like just mm. a, a bit of a sort of choose-your-own-adventure style meal. So um, something I really love and it's a bit, sounds a bit old but it's delicious, is really nice tomatoes, like fresh, yep. you know, proper big tasty tomatoes sliced quite thinly and then um, you get some sea salt and sounds strange but you scrape in um, vanilla set, like a vanilla pot oh, with yeah. seeds and you make a vanilla salt. And even just making oh, that, like nice. rubbing the vanilla into the flaky salt is, you know, primes the well yeah. as we were saying mm -hmm. before. And then you drizzle that over your tomatoes and olive oil and then just let it sit for a bit. Yeah. And there's something about the vanilla and the tomatoes, which are a fruit really, um, uh, that is just the most delicious combination. So that could be a beautiful and it's quite a festive mm. sort of plate. Um, and then for your other friends who might not necessarily be vegetarian or vegan but celiac, I mentioned before that idea of wrapping melon in prosciutto yeah, having that cold. I think that is one of the most delicious yeah, things of all time, great. especially with a glass of champagne. Mm. Um, and I would just create a whole set of... Um, simple dishes like that that are just celebrating the produce, really, the celebrating seasonality. The season, um, and I would have as well, um, if you can get figs, I love just like mm. fresh figs and you just put them under a grill quite quickly and then you put some chilli, a few chilli flakes and some um, bit of salt and pepper and olive oil, a little bit of a shaving of parmesan if you're um, yeah. vegans, um, unless you've got vegans at the table. You know, so having a whole lot of just really celebrating summer, yeah. you know, and keeping it very simple because I guess you don't want to be cooking three different things in three different ways. And, and like I said before with the time, when you put those restraints on yourself mm. in cooking, it, the joy just seeps yeah. out of it, I think. Yeah. Um, whereas if you go to a market and make that part of the fun too and choose your tomatoes mm. and choose some figs and get a beautiful melon. And then I would say if you've got people around the table, yourself included, who are meat eaters or don't have a problem with dairy, um, a cold like I went to a friend's lunch the other day and she did a beautiful cold roast beef sliced thinly with a Bernays sauce yeah. and it was 
so delicious, like just so mm. simple and so delicious. So if you had that whole situation and people could take what they wanted um, yeah. and everybody's feeling looked after and cared for, I think that would be a really delicious that feast. And there's something about communal food, isn't there, where you're all yes. sharing from the same table mm. and taking a bit of this and a bit of that. And mm. and I love um, actually how you're ending on a summer meal because the one thing about Jeanette's book is all her food is very much you were yes. very much set in the snow and the cold and yes. the dark and the mm. winter and that's a lovely escape but actually it's not the reality of our Australian no. Christmas time or no. January and uh that's that really I suddenly feel like I've got this color and uh shape in my head now of of brightly colored tomatoes and yeah and all that other fresh food because I, what I really loved about this letter writer, and I feel the same way, is she takes so much joy from not just the cooking but mm. the sourcing of the food. And so, you know, if 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 you can't sort of do all those things with your friends, you know, like finding the market, finding a good yeah. market near you, making it a whole day of of, of going out there and filling your basket yeah. with those good things, um, and you know, putting the carols on or putting the music on, and and just getting it, taking the joy in yourself and putting this colourful feast out. Yeah. Um, and I'll put a few more different recipes in there as well for some sauces and things that the our vegan friends can have. But um, so instead of the Bernays, you might do a beautiful, uh, like there's, there's a really lovely tahini orange mm. um, uh, sauce with a little bit of maple syrup as well and that's just delicious, drizzled over everything. Um, okay. So I think just have options. And, you know, even for your um, non-vegan friends who are vegetarian, just some boiled eggs, you know, with yeah. some of that tahini sauce. So just mm. have lots of different things. It's such a like a pick and mix kind of meal yeah. I think it would be lovely. Mm. Oh, that sounds delightful. There's something, yeah, really, uh, well, it's the sharing that she talks about too, isn't it? That, mm. that then you're all, yeah, all those different plates on the table and, yeah, I love to share food. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think right now it's, you know, we're so spoiled for, yeah. for in terms of seasonality. Yes. And really sometimes all you need is a beautiful tomato cut yeah. up and, and the vanilla salt is a bit and extra. The, but, um, well, yeah, but the other thing about that vanilla salt, it's actually the, uh, the idea came from me from a, um, a chef. She's in Seattle and she has a series of restaurants up there, but she's got a beautiful book. Her name is Renee Erickson okay. and it's, I think it's The Whale, A Boat and A Walrus, but I've got to double check. The name of that boat book but um and it's her idea the vanilla salt comes from her and she was the first person I saw put it on um t- tomatoes and yeah. so credit to her the other thing that vanilla salt is really delicious on bizarrely is um vanilla ice cream so oh. really good vanilla bean ice cream and you sprinkle it with a bit right. of that vanilla salt because you know of course the salt, salt really intensifies yeah, those flavors flavor. yeah oh yum it's a nice present too Gosh, mm. very, you've just, sorry. <laughs> great. No, about. I'm just thinking it's fantastic. We've also got Christmas present ideas in there as well as sharing with friends and um, summer's definitely upon us now. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's true. I'm sorry. I feel like we sidetracked a bit. Were you finished talking about delicious? I'm sorry about that. Oh, yes. Yes, um, I, I was only interested in whether you had any memories of it being, um, well, yeah, I guess it's a, I loved it. I really love her writing and I've I've listened to her on many podcasts and oh, okay. um I think she yeah, she's a formidable and very, very clever person. But yeah. I love the way she writes about recipes. But having read Jeanette Winterson's approach to recipe writing, I think I'm gonna start <laughs> to adopt that a bit more. Just I, mean, I just oh, love her. Yeah. 
it's so practical and it's yeah. so um you know and I love how she finishes every recipe it's like okay sit down and enjoy it now. yeah like yeah. now it's time to eat <laughs> yeah and if you don't have this ingredient you just substitute it but, yeah, yeah exactly it's just it's the real as you say it's the everyday miracle of food rather yes. than the the grand gestures yeah and she does yeah. she talks about um how cooking um now is like cycling you know like back in the day you just get on your oh, bike I love that. Yes. and you'd go for a ride um and they have to have the lycra yeah so she says cooking has become a lot like cycling by which I mean people used to pop out on their bikes now everyone has to wear lycra and goggles and beat their own speed and distance record cooking at home is not an olympic sport it's an everyday yeah. ordinary miracle I think we've got to remember that, you know, like yeah. you don't need a $30,000 oven and you don't need all the, you just need yeah. your hands and a bowl yeah. and a good knife and some nice tomatoes. Yeah, I was, <laughs> gonna, I was about to say, just the quality tomatoes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, um, so I think um, we are coming to the mm. end of our Christmas episode um, and I, for one, am feeling way more festive mm, now same. than when we mm. started, so thank you. Um, and I... Before we start to wrap up, we're going to hear from Christy Reading, our producer, who we are so grateful to have on board. Um, and Christy's got some Christmas ideas and reading to share as well. So thanks, Fantastic. Christy. My Christmas recommendation will take you straight to the top, yeah, to the big guy. And no, not the one up there. The one in the big red suit, the jolly one from the North Pole. Dear Santa is a book by Samuel Johnson, actor, OAM and sister of the late Connie who sparked the Love Your Sister movement. Samuel has banded together with some of Australia's most loved grown-ups to write a letter to Santa. The thing is, Samuel doesn't actually like Christmas, or at least he never used to, until it turned into a time to spend time with his sister through her cancer journey, treating each Christmas for several years as her last. It became less about the pressures and the expectation and making sure that the food was right, and more about the connection. So the inspiration for this book came from Connie and how Christmas doesn't take on the same meaning for everyone. In it, you'll read letters from Missy Higgins, Helen Garner, Adam Hills, Deborah Malman, Lee Sales, John Williamson, Rove McManus. There's some really great names in there. So what do they write about? What do they ask Santa for? Well, like anyone with a direct line to Santa, they've got a wish list and they can be quite comprehensive as well. Some letters are naughty, some letters are nice. Some are efforts to jump from the naughty list to the nice. There's beautiful childhood memories. Some want to change their own world and others want to change the whole world. Some letters are easier to read than others. It's heartwarming, it can be upsetting, challenging and give you the giggles, but I think it gives a brilliant balance of what this time of the year means for different people. Samuel has also published Dear Dad and Dear Mum books with the same sentiment. And what's even better though is that proceeds from this book go towards cancer research. And doesn't everyone want improved survival rates and improved treatment for patients? That sounds like a pretty perfect Christmas to me. Thanks, Christy. 
Well, I think, yeah, we're at the end again, mm-hmm. aren't we? Uh, but I just want to remind people again that um, every episode we're reading out letters. So please um, write to us if you would like a book prescription and a recipe recommendation to help with whatever is happening in your life at the moment. And also that each letter writer will receive a case of wine from Single Vineyard Sellers. Uh, I've been saying a bottle, but I since found out people are actually receiving a case. So I know, it's amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Single uh, Vineyard, sell- Vineyard Sellers. Um, yeah, so, and again, you find our email addresses to write to us in the newsletter show notes. And Single Vineyard Sellers are also doing a special uh, deal for anyone who subscribes to our podcast or our Instagram page you get 20% off on whatever you buy from the website singlevineyards.com, which we'll have on the show notes. You just need to type in the code or capitals S-T-E-S-T-R, as in something to read, something to eat, sorry, and something to read, then a space 20, and uh, then your discount should be applied. So, yeah, take Mm. advantage of that, particularly now that we're going to need some champagne to drink with our tomatoes. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, that's exactly right. It's perfect timing. Um, thank you for, for listening. Um, we really hope that today's episode has got you feeling a bit of mm. the joy and Christmas cheer that we all need um, this year more than ever. Um, we've got one more episode actually before the mm. end of the year. We're doing Elizabeth Jane Howard's The Light Years um, in a couple of weeks' time and then we'll take a little bit of a break over Chrissy and be back in January. So. Thank you for listening with us. We are so enjoying putting this together. Mm, Thank you, Jermaine. Um, It's just a a dream passion project, really. And if you have, if you might have guessed that we're actually sitting next to each other today Mm. for the first time, which is, I wish we could do it every time. Yeah. Um, I'm in Sydney uh, in Jermaine's beautiful home. So thank you. I also just want to remind anyone who feels so inclined, we would love it if you would share the podcast with anyone Mm. in your world who enjoys cooking and reading and reading about cooking. and it just helps it get out there in the world. So thank yes. you for that. Perfect. Well, Merry Christmas. No, I won't say Merry Christmas because we'll oh, be yeah. back before Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas Days. <laughs> That's right. Perfect. Merry Christmas Days, everyone. Thanks for listening. Okay, see you next time.